Greetings, and welcome to the podcast. The acts which we call evil, we know why we call them so. We may disagree about what the benchmark for evil really is, but in extreme examples there's almost unanimous agreement. Only people we would call psychopaths would be anything less than certain that a genocidal dictator, for example, was an evil person, or some twisted serial killer with a gruesome collection of trophies in their basement. We've all read or heard enough to know that occasionally such evil characters pop up in history. Of course, the history being referred to here is the one that most people, regardless of their academic interests, are familiar with. Not to imply that there's a single history, but that wherever one finds oneself in the world, one is subject to one or more versions of histories that, as often as not, are highly relevant only to people in a fairly limited geographical area. At this point on the timeline of human history, it seems that evil, for the most part, has a fairly universal definition, even if there are debates about the origins of it. When civilization started to pop up here and there thousands of years ago, you might have come across places where the notion of evil didn't even exist yet, let alone have a definition. In the human mind, the standard operating system that we come equipped with is still much unknown to us, though we see its effects in our behavior from time to time. The layers of complexity overlaying this primitive or rudimentary operating system for people in the 21st century make it hard for us to make much sense out of extremely violent behavior. But strip those layers away and much of the world would likely come to make sense to us in ways that are almost unimaginable to us now. Even in the 20th century, a century which many of us became adults in, there were two major wars that laid waste to vast portions of what so many thought of as our wonderful civilization. Political ideologies led to acts that, if committed by those called freedom fighters or patriots, for example, aren't considered to be as evil as they would be if committed by, say, one of your neighbors. How do we prepare children to live in a world where we claim these so-called evil people exist? How do we explain to them that sometimes bad people hide their evil intentions so well that all of the good people around them are constantly at risk? How do we explain this without traumatizing our children? These are, of course, questions every parent has to grapple with. What seems to slip by most of us, though, is how convincing children that truly evil people walk among us hiding their bad intentions most of the time makes it easy for these children to become convinced that they themselves are evil because children do, at times, have what most of us call evil thoughts. Of course, complete honesty when discussing the hazards of the world of other people with our children could traumatize them as well. Imagine tucking your little one in at night and he or she says, Mommy, could you check if there's a monster in my closet? You smile and do as they ask. Now check under the bed. What's gotten into you, you ask. What's all this about monsters now? Were you watching scary movies at someone's house? No, but Timmy said there's a monster in my closet. He said he saw it last time he was here, but he was too scared to say anything. Look, honey, there are no monsters, okay? Really? Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure, you say with a smile. Then you continue. But there are people out there who can't control themselves, and sometimes they do bad things, even to little children. Their little eyes widen, but you go on. 
There may even be such a person driving the streets of our town, maybe even our neighborhood right now, looking to do really awful things to someone. I mean, you never know who's going to do what to who. But if you ever see someone walking around outside our house at night, maybe even looking into the windows, you come and tell Mommy and Daddy right away, okay? Anyway, it's late, and you've got school tomorrow. Night, sweetie. When we learn about the awful things that humans sometimes do to each other, it's usually from some story, say, on the evening news. In school, we focus on the bad things that happen when societies go to war and subsequently collapse. We never really get the message that hell could be waiting just around the corner, say, in a neighbor's basement or in some seemingly tranquil remote location, unless we get it from a horror novel or movie. Author Cormac McCarthy introduces us to some of the evil things that men do in his novel Blood Meridian, which involves a fictionalized account of real historical figures and events of the mid-19th century in parts of northern Mexico and the southwest of the U.S. The story mostly follows a group of scalp hunters, historically accurate apparently, who terrorized the borderlands by murdering entire villages, taking the scalps of the victims and passing them off as those of Apaches in order to claim bounties. The movie The Killing Fields shocked people around the world in the 1980s with its display of the brutality faced by millions of Cambodians at the hands of the Khmer Rouge about ten years earlier. Yet the average person you meet these days isn't likely to be aware of such recent history, even though it claimed the lives of one quarter of Cambodia's population in four years. We seem to be aware presently that the seeds of political hate are being sown all around the world. It's difficult to remain ignorant of it if you go online or watch the news at all. Tribalism is something many of us thought that we had to transcend, yet everyone seems to be picking a side these days, afraid to be attacked by those they mostly disagree with and rejected by those they mostly agree with. Are we heading toward a powder keg situation again? Or are we past that? Will the extent of our bad intentions be a willingness to verbally condemn others and nothing more? Or do fighting words still exist? Anyway, as always, thanks for listening. Until next time.